Established in 2020, the Authors Porch is a space for authors to share their literary works of art. Founded by C.J. Ives Lopez, the Authors Porch puts authors first and becomes a premier destination for all at every level in their careers. When you join the Authors Porch, we want you to think of us as a beacon of light, bringing you home to a porch where your family is waiting to usher you into your greatness. From live cast to podcast, blog posts, and most recently, the magazine, the Authors Porch brings promotional services and advice to authors to get their writing published. Whatever the issue, the Authors Porch connects writers with the service desire to create their dreams into reality. Hey everybody, welcome to the Author's Porch, where every good conversation happens and we shine a light on the author. Everybody, we have Melissa tonight. How are you doing, Melissa? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me, CJ. This is fun. Yeah, thank you for being here. Before we got started, um, Melissa was telling me how she's used to being on the other side. So <laughs> this is new for, for her. She has her own podcast, but I want to introduce her real quick before we get into the nitty gritty and the lively conversations that we love to have on the porch. So Melissa Bourbon is a national bestselling author of more than 20 five mystery books, including the book Magic Mysteries, the Lola Cruz Mysteries, and a Magical Dress Baking Mystery series, and the Bread Shop Mysteries written as Winnie Archer. She is a former middle school English teacher, which I'm going to have many questions for that, <laughs> uh, who gave up her classroom in order to live in her imagination full time. Melissa lives in North Carolina with her educator husband, Carlos, and she is beyond fortunate to be living the life of her dreams, which is fantastic. Thank you for coming on and sharing your light with us tonight, Melissa. You've already got some fans tonight as well. <laughs> Hey, Tracy. <laughs> so I'm super excited to talk to you because I, you know, I have a teacher friend right now. She teaches elementary school and it is her dream to do exactly what you're doing. So what, what did it feel like that, that moment that you were able to start living your dream? Well, it's been um, ebbing and flowing over the years. You know, I've, I started teaching. I love teaching. I've always taught middle school, a little bit of high school thrown in. Um, and I stopped for the first time when my first two kids were toddlers, were little. And that's when I first started writing. I just needed to do something to exercise my brain. That was before the YA revolution. And there wasn't a whole lot for middle school kids at that point. So I started with a, a book for middle school. And... Um, it was finished. I submitted it. I learned that there are levels of rejection and I got many, many <laughs> lovely rejections. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Went back uh, to teaching and then, you know, kept having kids. I have five kids. So I would have a baby go back to teaching, have a baby go back to teaching. So um, all in all, I've taught for about 14 years and then have wow. lots of time at home and lots of time to write. My first book was published in 2008, and it's only about three years ago that I stopped for good and wow. and feel like, okay, now I'm able to stay home and write. And I, you know, it's hard to live, make a living as a writer. So um, I, I 
really couldn't support myself. I've got my husband that's very supportive and helpful, but my hope is that soon I'll have a breakout book and, and the, all this will pay off. Yeah, I think every every writer wants that, you know, that, that Nora Roberts, the Dean Coons, the Stephen King uh, career, of course, that's what everybody wants. But was writing... I would think a fraction of that and I would be yeah. happy. <laughs> same yeah. here. Same, same. Definitely. Well, was writing always your passion? Was writing something as a child you always knew or was it something you discovered later on in life? Because you said that you were a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, good question. I wanted to be a chef when I was little, and all through high school. And true story, my dad, we just talked about this recently. In fact, um, he remembered it slightly different. (laughs) But he said, no, go to college for two years, and then we'll talk, you know, get two years under your belt. So I did. And I came back to him. I was like, Dad, I'm ready to go to culinary school. And he said, well, you're halfway through, you might as well finish. (laughs) So (laughs) that's what I did, discovered that English was what I wanted to major in, and then got my teaching certificate, met my husband in college, and never did become a professional chef, but I I did become a private chef here at the house with six hungry mouths. That, you know what, that is probably the best training you will ever get. Yeah. Better than culinary <laughs> school because they have no filter. At home, they have no filter. So That's right. You learn how to be the short order cook. <laughs> All the above, right? Yep. So when did you discover this love for writing? At what point in your life? Well, so as I was saying earlier, really, it came about after I had my first two kids and I went on kind of an extended maternity leave with them because most of my salary was going to daycare. And so it made more sense for me to stay home. And I just needed to keep my brain active and, you know, doing something other than little kids. And that's when I started writing. And that's when I discovered I really loved writing. But that was probably in 1996, 1995 or 1996. And it wasn't until... um probably 2000, it was 2002 when my youngest was born, that I started to meet with a friend at Starbucks. She had a new baby also. So we would leave our babies at home and our other kids at home. And once a week, we would meet at a Starbucks in between where we lived. And we would just, she loved to write too. So we just wrote to prompts. We just had our notebooks and we had a prompt book and we would just write to prompts. So pretty soon I had a character and pretty soon she had a family and pretty soon you know, I was like, I think I could put this into a book. And I, you know, considered what kind of book I would want to put it into. And mystery was the natural choice because I had grown up reading the Bobsy Twins and Nancy Drew and graduated to Agatha Christie and read all of her books through high school. And mystery is my go-to genre. So that's what I did. And that's uh, really when I got the bug, when I started crafting this plot around the character that I had created. And then they sold and I was so excited. And then they didn't sell that well. And then I was less excited, <laughs> went back to teaching, came up with another idea, you know, and it kept going from there because I, I loved it. I loved writing and I just needed to keep doing it. Yeah. So did, did you develop your character or did your character present itself to you? 
I would say a little bit of both. Okay. That particular character, my first character, is Lola Cruz, private investigator. Uh, and she, my, my reason for that, my husband is um, first-generation Mexican-American, and so my kids, you know, we are part of this culture through his family, which I love and which we really wanted to instill in our kids, you know, share that culture. And so I thought, oh, I'll write a character that my daughter can relate to specifically later on. Um, and so that's kind of who Lola is. She's, uh, you know, she's Mexican-American, fully assimilated American but she loves her culture and her family is a huge part of her life as ours was at that point. And, uh, you know, so she came to me in that way. But then as I started writing and putting her into this caperish mystery, all of that developed. And then with subsequent books, yeah, I've always come up with the character first. So with my, um, my I have my books, <laughs> my uh, magical dressmaking series, I knew that I wanted to name her Harlow. And I was going through and trying to think about well, what last name goes with Harlow. And then I came up with Cassidy. I liked the way Harlow Cassidy sounded. And then I started thinking, and I just had this moment of, what if she's a descendant of Butch Cassidy? What if I create an alternate history for Butch? And he actually left his loved one behind who was pregnant. And hence we have Harlow down the, the line of descendants. So that's how she came about. And that was just a, a moment where I was like, yep, that's, that's her, you know, and from there I was able to develop it. So I would say that I definitely start with some element of the character and then they begin to kind of speak to me and, and evolve from there. It's like you discover them. It's like yeah. you discover them in this this alternate dimension type of thing. And they're like, yeah. oh, you found me. Now it's time yeah. for me to tell you more of my story, huh? Yeah, exactly. Oh, we, that is we're bringing cool. their science fiction. We didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, have you ever, has other genres ever spoke to you in as far as writing? Or is this? Yeah, um, they have. I have my book. See, I'm prepared this time. Usually Yay. I'm not prepared. <laughs> have three that don't fit into the straight mystery category so this one i just dabbled with some romance romance um so it's paranormal romance very light and um it's fun you know i i don't plan to go back and write the any more of these but it was fun at the time and i was just yeah. you know kind of developing i don't know my romantic side <laughs> and then these uh these are uh mystery suspense like romantic mystery suspense. So much, much darker than the cozy and traditional mysteries that I write, silent echoes and silent obsession. And those are also, those are based on Mexican legends. So when our kids were little and before we even had kids, we used to go camping and my husband's family would tell the story of La Llorona around the fire pit. And I hadn't heard that story, but every culture has a version, you know, the boogeyman kind of thing to meant to terrorize kids, keep them in bed or whatever. Uh, so, so they would tell the story and I just started, you know, really researching La Llorona and I found that there are many different versions of her and that just sparked an idea of what if I crafted this mystery, but it turned out to be a little suspenseful book around the idea of this legend. And then the other one is Chupacabra, which is this sort of urban legend. So that was so the brothers are in the two different books so one is ray vargas the other is vic vargas and so 
these are their stories. Oh my goodness. So I live um, down here in South, South Texas on the border by the sea and it is the southernmost tip of Texas and the folklore around a lot of the Hispanic heritage stuff. I live on will not live on, but I did work on, and we have, it is now a, um, sorry, I'm going to, I'm geeking out on your two books real quick. Okay, no. <laughs> I love these books. I wish more people would discover them also, because I think they're fantastic. <laughs> yeah. The one, the covers are absolutely beautiful. And um, so we have the oldest federal military fort here in our town that we live on and it has been turned into a community college mm -hmm. but it is the most historical site in all of the state of texas as well three u.s presidents marched down to dig the ground to create the border between the united states and mexico and had that fort actually been lost during the war this would not be the United States. This town would not be the border town. So when you talk about a lot of the folklore and stuff like that, there's so much of that. So when you said, uh, uh, La Llorona. I, I can't hardly say La Llorona and, uh, uh, I keep wanting to say La Lucha Libre, but I'm like, that is wrestling. What are you talking yeah. about? I, <laughs> yeah. So I tried to speak Spanish and I can't. Uh, and there's a reason because I get tongue tied really bad, but I'm going, oh my goodness, those books, like I need to read those books. So sorry, I fangirled really bad, really quick. <laughs> Um, so that's amazing. So you do kind of like the cozy mystery, like um, kind of like your Nancy Drew type of um, like a lighter, and then you have the darker. So you're you're getting to the two demographics where they can kind of you're you're hitting both demographics there. That's very yeah. smart. It makes it hard though because you know you create a brand, you know, and and so my brand is more lighter mysteries. And I wrote those romantic suspense mysteries um, just at a different time. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to live in that dark world all the time. So I like the lighter mysteries, um, which is why, you know, I've done more cozies. I have two different cozy series. But that being said, I then developed my most recent series, the book magic mysteries that are more traditional. They're not cozy. They have a cozy element, which is the bibliomancy that Pippin, the main character, has this divination of bibliomancy. Uh, but And they have a little paranormal element because of that divination. But really, they're kind of uh, just traditional mystery with a little bit of adventure, I guess. My friend Diane Kelly, author Diane Kelly, uh, she says they're like national treasure, you know, like adventurous, because there's the whole series arc and has to do with a curse and Irish lore and history and and different things. So I'm definitely gravitating away from just straight cozy mysteries into something a little, I guess, a little meatier with a little more freedom because cozy mysteries, you have to follow the genre rules. Yeah, definitely. So out of all of them, what, what sparks your soul the most? The book magic mysteries. 
I have okay. the covers. I'll show you the covers. Yes, please. <laughs> I please. have the books themselves. <laughs> I have a map too. So you can see this on my website, but I created oh. a map of Devil's Cove whoop, this way, which is the fictional town on the Outer Banks. So if you know anything about the Outer Banks, uh, Roanoke Island is right there and you pass over it to get to the barrier islands. And so my, uh, my fictional island, Devil's Cove, is sort of modeled after Roanoke Island, where the Lost Colony was. So I have this novella, The Secret on Rum Runner's Lane. Had I known it would be such a tongue twister, I probably would not have called it this. <laughs> Can't say it hardly once, let alone multiple Rum times. Runner's Lane, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is Cassie's story. And Cassie is Pippin's mother, Pippin and Gray. They're twins, 29 years old. And they end up back on the island of Devil's Cove where they were born, inherit their parents' house. And then a whole mystery ensues when they discover something on their father's boat. And then the next one is Murder at Sea Captain's Inn. And then the third one, third full book is Murder Through an Open Door. And that comes out in February. Mm. I just... I love these books for a lot of reasons. I love North Carolina, where we live. I love the Outer Banks and the Atlantic. You know, we I was born and raised in California, so I've had plenty of experience with the Pacific. I love the Atlantic. It's just warmer <laughs> and <laughs> more enjoyable to swim in. I, the Pacific, I like the Pacific, too. Um, but I love the setting. And then, it, you know, it just evolved. So this is one of those situations where the story came first so uh with a friend of mine we kind of created this concept and then i just ran with it and you know i, I so i knew there was this irish lore i knew there was this history that went back to the first century and from there i needed to create the character and that's where pippin and her brother gray came from and i don't know i think that the Odyssey or um, the Hobbit book was like sitting on my desk or something because I was I had this moment of oh, I'm going to name her Pippin after Peregrine and I'm going to name him Gray after Gandalf and and that's how they came to be and then their father it was a you know a Tolkien geek and that influences just a lot of sort of their background his passion for all things Tolkien and um, so I loved them and then from there it just sort of took off so wow. I, but I yeah I love the bibliomancy I love I just love every element of this series and everybody who reads it seems to love it too just more people need to read it <laughs> more people need to find it Yes, it's so hard in the in the book world right now. Um, it almost seems like it's inundated with all kinds of stuff. Um, it's hard to weed through that stuff. Are you traditionally published, um, indie published, or self-published? I'm hybrid. So all of my books have been traditionally published until this um book magic series. So that was is indie published. But then I also got the rights back to to those um, mystery suspense books. So these are also indie published. Uh, so, and then I, but but my, both of my cozy series and then my other caper series, those are all traditional with a traditional, two different traditional publishers. And then uh, I have a new proposal out with my agent that we're gonna try and shop to edit. Okay. Cause I'm not, 
I don't want to go just one or the other. I really like the freedom and the control of indie publishing, but I also like the stability and security of traditional publishing right now. So, you know, yeah. that could change at some point, but yeah, right now I'm both. Yeah. I, I tell everybody you, you have to feel what works best for you Yeah, uh, versus listening to what somebody else tells you you should do I think you need to research it and do what fits best for you and your brand so um yeah that's that's I told you you were going to hear one yeah. of my dogs <laughs> I heard mine pitter patter out there but they didn't stay I heard the clickety click of their, <laughs> their little paw. Their and what's your writing process? Are you? Uh, I heard you say that you were plotting earlier, but are you? Are you any type of panster, or are you just a strict plotter? No, I am not a strict plotter. My brain does not work that way at <laughs> all. I could not plot a book and come up with interesting creative scenes to save my life. I really couldn't. I know who the killer is. I know, like in a traditional cozy, I know who the killer is. I know who the victim is. I know why. Generally, I come up with a couple of possibilities, a couple of potential um, uh, bad guys, villains, <laughs> and and kind of go from there. And so a lot of it, you know, uh, the proposal that I have right now has to do a lot with graphology and handwriting analysis. And I've been reading and learning mm -hmm. about that. And there is this it's called brain writing. It's, you know, your brain is what makes your handwriting, your hands write and the way you shape letters and and form words and all of that. And so when I type, that's when like the magic happens in my brain. And I would come up with, you know, aha moments and plot points and plot twists and, you know, elements that take the book beyond what I've plotted, which is pretty bare bones. So I'm, I'm a little in between. You know, it's funny you talked about research. Um, I, I had a writing prompt in this group that I was in and it was just, the writing prompt was just a picture. And so I wrote, you know, a couple thousand words just on the couple minutes that we had, we had like five minutes and I just, I seen the picture and just what came to mind and it ended up being like this, this murder type scene. And I was like, I've never written anything murdery. I'm a, I'm a young adult. Like I've written all kinds of different genres just because I, I'm, you know, spastic like that, mm -hmm. but a murder scene came about it. And so I was like, Oh, I should totally write this whole thing. And I ended up researching. I was like, okay, well, what would be the killers? One thing that they would do? Cause I, I was like, well, let's do serial killer. Cause that would be cool. <laughs> And I ended up researching. All in. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, let me research what would be really cool. And I was like, oh, let him take something from the body. And I learned that we have a hyoid bone. <laughs> it's the one bone that is not connected to any other bone in your body. It is a free floating bone. <laughs> and I was like, so it reminds me that as writers, we research and learn sometimes useless <laughs> knowledge, sometimes fantastical knowledge but the research part is so much fun to me what is the when you talk about research what is the one thing that you have researched that you never thought that you would ever ever need to know but through your writing you actually researched and you was like uh-huh <laughs> hmm, that's a tough question 
I don't know. I'll have to come back to that. I have to think about that one. Okay. Well, if <laughs> anything comes to mind, a floating bone. I'm. Sorry I know. <laughs> I was like, I was like, why is it even there? Yeah, yeah. It was. It was a writing prompt that I had. I. That I used just... to do that with my middle school students. I would display a picture, you know, project a picture up, and that was often our bell ringer. You know, the first couple of minutes of class, get everybody settled. Okay, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It gives them to relax. That's for sure. Gets do you their- miss teaching? Sometimes I do. Yeah, but I love what I'm doing. So I, yeah, yeah. Although I miss it, I don't want to go back at this point. But yeah, yeah, I think I was a great teacher. (laughs) And uh, I loved middle school students, you know, Mm -hmm. and and so yeah, I do. I do miss it at times, but not enough to go back. Yeah, I don't I don't blame you. I love kids minor in college. um, And I've loved them when they were small. I love them that they're big now, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so what is the, what do you think is the hardest part throughout your career as a writer? What has been the hardest part for you? Um, ooh, that's another good question. I think the hardest part for me probably was early on and getting all those rejections. And I took it very personally and I had to learn not to take it personally and that my the rejections, you know, are, were just part of the business. And I had to understand and get used to that fact that not everybody's going to love my book the way I love it. But, you know, I persevered and found an editor who did too. Well, I found two agents and then she shopped it and, you know, we sold it. So I found multiple people that loved it the way I did. But I had to really get past the idea of these rejections um, really taking me down. And I thought about quitting multiple times and my husband was really supportive and encouraged me and I didn't give up. So you know, I was able to, to push forward, but I think that was probably the hardest lesson to learn for me. And now it's different because you have indie publishing as an option, you know, so you don't have to go that traditional route and suffer the rejections. <laughs> and I think it's even more competitive now with, in, with traditional publishing you know, they want things that are plug and play and, you know, just ready to go. I don't think it's as collaborative as a process as it used to be. Mm-hmm. So it's it's changed. But, yeah, I think that would have been the most difficult learning, you know, element of my career, my writing career. Do you think that it was your support system that got you through all of that? Yeah, absolutely. And then I uh, formed a critique group. So we moved. I lived in Texas, too, for 10 years. So we mm. were in North Texas. And uh, so I had a critique group in California, but my critique group really blossomed in Texas. So I moved there and I joined Romance Writers of America because they were a fabulous national organization. And that's where I learned about the industry, even though I didn't write romance and met awesome women who I'm still friends with today. And and uh, they were really instrumental in just encouraging me. We would encourage each other, you know, to just to keep going and to be strong basically into, you know, we have the talent and we just need to keep, keep going, keep at it. Yeah. If you had any advice for an upcoming author or authors that are just getting discouraged, just advice to give somebody about their career, what would be that advice? Well, like I did, I would say you just have to persevere if you want it bad enough. And if this is your passion and you want to see that book of yours published, then you just have to persevere and you have to get past, 
any negative influence, whatever that might be. And then now, because indie publishing is such a great avenue, I would say to really think about how valuable is having a traditional contract to you versus doing it yourself and having that control and, um, you know, kind of make a decision on which way you want to go. And then other advice, if you go the indie route, make sure you get yourself a good editor <laughs> because that's, that's the most important thing. You, It's all on you. And it's very hard to see your own mistakes in your own book, whether that's copywriting mistakes, just, you know, errors and words or sentence structure, whatever, and plot holes or character development. You know, it's very hard to see that in your own work. So if you go the indie route, find an editor. Very true. Very, very true. Where can people find you? Uh, lots of places. So my website's melissabourbon.com. And bourbon is my maiden name. Just I get that question a lot. So yes, it's my maiden name. <laughs> I also write as Winnie Archer, but everything is on that Melissa Bourbon website. And then I'm on Facebook at Melissa Bourbon Winnie Archer as a Facebook page. But if you just type in Melissa Bourbon, you'll find me. And then I have a a Facebook group, book club group called the Book Warriors. So just type in Book Warriors and you'll find me there. And then I'm bookishly cozy, bookishly underscore cozy on Instagram. And I just joined Twitter, not Twitter. I don't like Twitter. I just joined TikTok. <laughs> so I'm uh, going to that. Apparently book talk is just a big, big thing. And I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to try and figure something out. Too. I tried it for like a week. I mean, I can do TikTok. I understand the videos, but I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm not funny. I can't do it. <laughs> I tried. Yeah, same. So I have to figure out something else to do. But yeah. So anyway, that's where you can find me. Awesome. And we have all of your links here in the, uh, sh in the, I'm also show notes. It's in the comments as well. So people can find you there. Um, and what do you have coming up? What's your latest work that you're going to be so I just finished Bread Over Troubled Water, which is mm -hmm. the eighth bread shop book. I turned that in. Uh, then I'm now, I wrote a proposal that's with my agent. Um, and then now I'm plotting, outlining the next book magic book, which is Murder Through an Open Door. So I'm digging into that this week. And that'll be it for the next couple of months. All book magic. Nice. And that one comes out in February. That's exciting. So before we head out for the night, I want to give you the floor. Anything that we may have missed, anything that you want to share with anybody watching, your fans, our fans, that you want to let them know of your wonderful books or yourself? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I just want to thank my readers and, and all of y'all who are I can't believe I said all of y'all. <laughs> That's like 10 years in Texas. Texas. I was like, what is that? It's a double y'all. <laughs> I was blown away. And now I just said it. Um, <laughs> so just thanking all readers for loving books and my readers for loving my books. And, you know, it takes a village. So I appreciate all the love and support and sharing of my books um, if you love them and, and just, you know, keep reading because that allows us to do what we do, which is to share our imaginations, our imaginations <laughs> with you. So, yeah. Thank awesome. you readers. 
Yeah, thank you, Melissa, for coming on, sharing your lovely books. I'm I am super excited to check out those those dark mysteries. I, you know, I've been wanting to get a real good one, um, so I might have to check those out because when you talk about Mexican folklore, that's close to home here for me. So I'm going to have to check those out. Beautiful covers as well. Yeah. Um, Thanks so much for being on here, guys. That's it for us tonight. We are going to be back here on Saturday. We have Chief Master Sergeant Retired Ralph Ave, who will be on the show Saturday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, talking about his leadership book that he he has coming out very soon. We're also going to have Dr. Sharma. Hopefully, we'll be able to get him back on Saturday talking about environmental engineering, all the climate um change things that are going on with the world and then we'll be back on next tuesday don't forget the magazine comes out october 5th issue number two you can be a guest blogger you can be uh, somebody who writes an article for the magazine make sure to go over head over to our website www.theauthorsporch.com and you can check out everything that we have on the website to um, submit for the magazine. I lost my words mid putting all that stuff in there. It's a good night. It's a good night. <laughs> all right. We're going to be over here. Bye, everybody. Take care, Melissa. We'll Bye. talk soon. Thank Bye. You. Thank you so much.